This fall, um, the uh, television network Fox started their, their show Gotham, which, um, do you know, the, you know the Batman backstory, right? So Bruce Wayne, as a young child, uh, is um, with his parents when they get gunned down in an alley. Um, and that event in his life is what leads him to the, become the Batman, right? And so normally that's what happens in the comic books. You see that event, and we jump forward several decades, and we see him as Batman, right? Well, Gotham has, has gone backwards, right? And they, they say, well, what happens in between there? And they start that backstory, right? So it's kind of, it's a drama that is unfolding, but it's all backstory, right? And we know, that in, in a sense, for those who are, who are familiar with the Batman universe, uh, we're familiar with the characters who are in there. The, and the story, though, revolves around the police officer, the detective, Jim Gordon, who we know in the later, and he becomes the, the police commissioner, right? So we know what he's going to become, right? But here in Gotham, it sort of unfolds, what was he like then? And, and how do we see him now? We know in the end, as a commissioner, he is, he's, he's hard-nosed, but he is, he is fair and he's honest and he's, and he's sort of very concerned about justice, right? We go back, and there, is, there he is as that clean-shaven, fresh-faced detective. Um, then have any of you seen the show? Do you, do you watch it? No, good. Okay, so like I'm, I don't, I'm just realizing like maybe you all know this. So, but, so he is the ultra-virtuous man in a, in a city um, that is dark and gritty, and there's a lot of collusion between, say, the mob and the powers that be. So the, most of the police officers are um, ethically challenged, let's say. Uh, and they, are, they know just to get along, they have to behave a certain way. Even if they don't like it, they're going to take the payoffs and they're going to do what they're told, even if it's not right. And even in the very first episode... Right? We see the, the Boy Scout, essentially Jim Gordon, who's told to shoot a prisoner. Right? They take him to this long pier. They take that long walk off the end. And he knows if he doesn't shoot him, um, he, is going, he will ultimately die. Um, well, not ultimately, but much, on a much shorter time scale. He's going to end up dying. And he, so that he walks the guy who will become the guy who's known as the penguin, walks him to the end of the pier, lifts the gun to his head, tells him, don't ever come back to Gotham, aims the gun slightly away from his head, fires him and pushes him into the water. And he thinks he's done. Well, he's not done because penguin comes back and it really messes with him. But, so here's, here's the thing. Everybody read a Greek tragedy in, in school? Right, like Antigone or Oedipus, Oedipus Rex, or right. So they're always tragedies because someone's virtue is out of whack. They either lack a virtue or they pursue it too much. Virtues are always about finding a balance, right? Um, 
if we're going to, if patience is a virtue, then um, not waiting long enough, there's, that's clearly a vice. To being too rash, that's not, that doesn't help. But if you are patient and you wait and it turns you into, you quit waiting for anything and it just leads you into inaction, well, that's also the other side of the, of the uh, problem with patience. Patience is always waiting, but it's waiting for something. And sooner or later, you have to learn how to, how to sort of stop that. Right? So we're half a season into Gotham. And Jim Gordon, we're waiting for, I'm waiting for his fall because this is exactly what happens. Someone's virtues with the surrounding um, atmosphere is completely disconnected. Right? Gotham's sense of virtue or just keep things going, right? In a sense, all of the, the, the fact that the, that the corruption and the... Um, sort of uh, grittiness and dirtiness, the, the seedy understanding, they keep it just enough in control. Everybody just sort of goes along with it. And, and so in a sense, that's the virtue that they have picked. We're just going to keep everything under control because at least it maintains some order. Otherwise, in their view, it would be an all-out war. Now, with Jim Gordon in it, he's essentially calling for all-out war between... The police and the mob, the organized crime, and the, and the, thing, the, the, the people that are popping up there. We also see sort of all that war happening with, within the mob, though, as well. Right? Jim wants a different kind of life for his, for his people, for his city. Right? He, may, he may be idealistic. But he follows through. He lives out a particular way. Right? The virtues that he has um, are rooted in habits and practices about what it means to be a good cop and what it means to be um, a protector of the city and of its people. And particularly, seeking of, the seeking of justice for young Bruce Wayne. So... In a very real way, the Beatitudes that we get today, Jesus goes on to up the mountain and, and is speaking to the crowds, but speaking to the crowds through the disciples. It's, you know, the crowds are there. He goes up the mountain. The disciples join him. And he, he looks at them and he starts letting forth his, uh, his Beatitudes, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Jesus gives us these beatitudes, these, these sayings here in this, in this Sermon on the Mount. He gives us these beatitudes um, not to say um, all of us who follow him must have all of these attributes. This is not a new, basically, code of conduct. Right? 
but he does give us a vision for who we as a people will become. Right? So that when we see those who are meek and those who are peacemakers and those who are um, poor uh, in spirit and th- those who are uh, mourn, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, right? when we see that, it alerts us to the presence of the, of the kingdom that Christ brings about. That we may see in others what God is up to. And because it is Jesus who speaks them, right, we see these reflected in Jesus' life, in his death and in his resurrection. And it opens for us a reality, not, um, right, not, to, not of things that we try to do to earn God's favor, but to, again, hear the life that he calls us into, right? For in the, in the waters of baptism, we are united with Christ. Christ makes his home with us in that, in that mystical union. And where Christ is, we, we, we do find the ways that these things break through, whether, right, whether we mourn. And Luther doesn't use it in... Um, Bonhoeffer lifts up that uh, Luther didn't say mourn. We don't think of it as like those who grieve, but those who, Luther's word is leidtragen, those who bear sorrow. Right? Think of the ways that we gather around those um, who have suffered loss. And we as Christ's disciple gather around the people who suffer loss. And we, we bear that with them so that we might walk with them through that sorrow so they do not feel alone, so they do not feel crushed. That heavy, heavy burden of, of grief upon them. Right? Christ walks with us in our sorrows. That's the line from the, from the funeral liturgies about he comforts us in our sorrows that we may comfort the others uh, with the comfort we have received from God. It opens up a life for us that Christ calls us into, calls us to that mountain from the crowds. Not always to be appreciated by others. He includes that, that section about um, about people reviling and persecuting us because we can upset um, the current. We can upset sort of the way, folks, let's just get through this. Let's just not rock the boat. Let's just let's let people earn as much as they can. Let's let the strong decide things. Let's spend millions on sports uh, events. Let's... All of these things, while we ignore some of the realities of our life, well, that's just the way it is, we hear. They're lazy, or there's going to be some winners and some losers, or it's just the way it is. There's a complacency sometimes in the midst of our lives. Christ's Sermon on the Mount points us to a reality where those things no longer exist. 
when we hunger and thirst for justice no more, when we hunger and thirst for righteousness no more, because we will have righteousness. We, we will be children of God. There will be no more need to bear sorrow, for there will be no more sorrow, no more death. Christ opens this life for us, and in this Sermon on the Mount, lifts up the ways that we begin to see that kingdom breaking in. And then there is a call to action, right? To be light for the world, to be the salt of the earth, right? to let our light so shine that people may see it and give glory to God in heaven. Right? Because it is Christ's light shining through us that where we are, Christ might be as well. That we might become living and walking members of Christ's life in the world. Because Christ has already shown his grace and mercy to us by joining himself to us in the waters of baptism, by coming to us at the altar with bread and with wine in his body and his blood. He opens his life for us that we might show it out to the world. Thanks be to God. Amen.